Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double breasted black blazer from a new to me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for, but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. You know, I often speak about how women must do habits differently. And one of the biggest reasons why is simply biology. In other words, hormones. Our hormones are a real factor to how we feel physically, mentally, and emotionally. And they constantly change day to day and year to year as we age. My friends warned me that the hormone roller coaster gets harder as we get older. And they were right. From worse PMS to more aggravating period symptoms to all the things that come with perimenopause and menopause. If you're wanting help with that hormone roller coaster, I want you to check out today's sponsor, Happy Mammoth and their supplement, Hormone Harmony, a bottle of which is sold every 24 seconds with over 17,000 reviews. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. And here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. Hormone Harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those horrible perimenopause and menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas, and so much more. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of those things. If you want to feel more like yourself, make sure you go to Happy Mammoth and find Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code PROGRESS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code PROGRESS for 15% off today. You are listening to About Progress. This is episode 290, How to Persevere When Spiritual Doors Seem Closed. Almost two years ago, I came out with an episode 
that I was certain would land me in a heap of trouble, and at very least a hailstorm of misunderstanding. It was an episode about my decade-plus experience with faith crises that involved my religious beliefs and my religious faith within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So after a lot of prayer, late nights, in the middle um, nights of waking up, discussion in my family, I decided to release that episode finally. And what came of that experience? Well, so much good. This is still the episode I hear about the most from listeners. Over the past two years, I've heard from women who write to me about sobbing in their cars at the grocery store parking lot while they listen to the podcast, finally feeling both seen and okay with their own faith struggles that they've kept hidden for so long. And others have said that while they never have struggled with the same doubts as I have, listening to that episode finally helped them understand those that they were close to who have either endured a faith crisis of their own or even left their religious faith. Over the last two years, I have seen a huge uprising and openness of those who are plagued by pain over their own faith, and this is not exclusive to the LDS faith. And also for two years, I have wanted to do a follow-up episode to my original episode on faith crises. Ideas and words have come to me periodically, and I have written them down, and I have taken notes, and I have tried to record this episode over and over again. But I have once again, just like the first time, been feeling very overwhelmed and scared and wanting to do right by the struggles that we face in this way. But it's time. As much as being open about my faith crises proved to be a huge relief for me and lessened my own shame over them, it, it is a little still difficult to put myself out there. And also, while I said that the original episode, um, I said within it that I chose to stick with my faith, that choice has still not been like a super easy choice for me. It's one I still maintain and I still will for life. But, you know, to be honest with you, while I am at peace with my decision, I still struggle with my faith. And a lot of the time, the spiritual doors that I had opened to me all growing up still feel slammed shut. And when I'm experiencing a low with that, it can still feel like a personal slight and I can still get angry and feel sad or misunderstood. I recently moved back home to Utah after almost 13 years of living away. And where I lived was a super open and loving community within my faith in Northern California. And I was seriously, and this is no knock to Utah, I was terrified of leaving that environment, that open, loving environment. I was terrified of feeling like an outsider at best, or even an apostate at worst. And that's because I carry some unorthodox beliefs. I don't believe in eternal polygamy. I don't believe that blacks in the priesthood, that discrimination against blacks in the priesthood was ever God's will. I believe that the true priesthood power of women is much more than we see here on earth. And while I could simply stuff things like that down inside me, instead, I feel that every part of me is pushing to bring up my beliefs and my questions and my own testimony on these things into the conversation. And doing that in a setting where people might be a little bit more black and white is terrifying for me. But based on the hundreds, and I'm talking hundreds, if not thousands of messages I have received over the last two years about faith crises, 
I know that I am not alone in those fears. So today, I'm going to do my best to use my voice and offer to you my widow's might of an episode about what to do when you feel that fear or that anger or that sadness over your own faith and spiritual struggles and what to do if the doors of heaven feel closed to you despite all you are doing and how hard you are trying. I am not doing this to become a looked to leader in my faith or community or whatever it is. Neither am I doing this to dictate what is right or wrong to do if you are facing a faith crisis of your own. The truth is that many of my friends have left their religious traditions, and I believe it actually was the right decision for them. And I believe that God understands them and their pain and that they will be enveloped in love and acceptance after this life is complete and that all will be made right. And I know this might be another unorthodox belief that I hold, but I believe in that. So again, my intent here is to not pressure people into feeling like they are supposed to act different ways or certain ways I have, but I am sharing this episode for those who are longing for a spiritual connection that never seems to come right when they want it or need it. I'm sharing this for those who are desperate for more, whether they are inside or outside of a faith. And I'm sharing this for those who are struggling mightily to hold on to their faith. I can honestly tell you that if this is you, you are not alone. And today I'm going to help you see some things that you can hold on to and that can help you persevere when the spiritual doors are closed to you. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I don't want you to just listen to this show. I want it to change you. This community of progressors empowers women to take on radical growth via sustainable changes. Are you motivated and ready to grow in your identity, purpose, and productivity? You can when you remember that life is about progress, not perfection. If you are new here, hi, I am Monica Packer, and I would encourage you to first check out the original episode that I did on my LDS faith crises, just so this has more context for you. That is called Navigating LDS Faith Crises, and you can either Google that alongside About Progress, or you can go on my website and search for episode 123, and I've also linked that for you in the show notes. In that first episode, you'll hear some disclaimers I give at the beginning, and I would share those same disclaimers today. While I am totally open to some solid and productive uh, conversations and any links or things you want to send me about this, I would say, if you're trying to put me in my place, I'm not going to be ready to receive that. That won't help me stick with my faith. So I would kindly ask you if your intention is to, to show me how I'm wrong or anything like that, that you just decide to restrain yourself. Um, Also, in the first episode, I share um, that that episode was primarily directed to those within the LDS faith. And while I want this episode to apply 
to all those who are struggling to connect spiritually in ways that used to work for them, you know, my lens is within the LDS faith. So as part of this, the second half of the episode, I'm going to share some maybe lingo or reference some things that if you are not familiar with the LDS faith, you'll be like, what is she talking about? Um, So instead of making this episode two hours long, I've included lots of links in the show notes to help make those connections for you, just like a good Mormon should, right? And finally, all the music used in this episode was done so with the generous permission from the composer, Paul Cardall. Thank you very much, Paul. I have linked to all of his music too, and I would encourage you to support him and listen to and buy his music wherever you can. What does it feel like when we are seemingly shut out from all the old ways we used to have to connect with our higher power, to connect with the heavens? Well, it can feel very isolating, maddening, heartbreaking, and confusing, just to name a few. If this is newly happening to you or something that you have dealt with for many years, I have five main thoughts and suggestions for your consideration. And you know, this is a podcast, so we're not going to spend hours and hours on each one, but I promise you I can. But instead, I'm going to do my best to cover each of these five in some bite-sized ways, and then to give a little bit more context to those who are listening to support their friends or family who are going through something similar, but might not have experience with it themselves. So basically, I'm going to be talking to the general church, my religion, but I'm sure this will apply to all the religious backgrounds that you might be coming from. So if you are struggling with the spiritual doors being closed to you, the number one thing I want you to to know is that this is not because you have an immature faith. What you do have is a developing, maturing faith. It is really scary to embrace this truth, but it really is the fact of what's going on with you. Having a complex faith, a complex faith where not everything is easy or straightforward or black and white like maybe it used to be, that's actually a mature faith. And it's very worth the offering that you have to give. If your faith is shaky, if you're not sure of a lot of things, if you have lots of doubts and frustrations and questions, that is still worth the offering that you can give both to your higher power and to others. How do I know this? How do I know that my doubts and my faith crises were more than just crises? They were more of a development of faith. Well, beyond just experience, my own personal experience, there are a few things that helped me over my decade plus struggle with this and still an ongoing struggle from time to time that helped me see my crises or my questions of faith as not being things that I needed to be terrified of or ashamed of or trying to hide away, that they were instead things to embrace because it was faith developed. The first resource that really helped me was a book called Crucible of Doubt. It's done by a husband-wife duo. It's Fiona and Terrell Givens. In it, they share about hundreds, if not thousands of years of of religious and spiritual leaders throughout history who have struggled with significant periods of doubt and questioning their faith. It gave me the context to see that I was not alone, for starters, and also that it meant that I was on the right track, that it wasn't something broken inside me, but it was instead an awakening within me, and that it could be a good thing. So I highly recommend that book. 
A second resource that really helped me understand this, that I was developing my faith, was the book Navigating Mormon Faith Crises by Thomas Worthlin McConkie. This is a man who has obviously a long and strong legacy of faith in his ancestry. If you are not LDS, the two names he has there, Worthlin and McConkie, are both pretty big LDS names in our culture and in our religion. Now, Thomas left his faith for some time, but gradually he returned, and much in thanks to his own understanding and research of human development, and how he found this corresponds to faith development. And in it, he helps us see that this is, again, a development. This is a maturity, and this is the path to more enlightenment. The struggles are part of the path. It was such a helpful book for me to read that, and referenced in it is something that I have heard even more now the past two years, is James Fowler's stages of faith development. Um, He is in the psychiatry world. He is not in the LDS world. So this applies to so many religious faiths. And I could take an hour just explaining this, but know that I have referenced an article in the show notes to James Fowler's stages of faith development. I'll just give you the nutshell of it. He talks about different stages. There's stages one and two, which is basically just like the simple childlike faith development. Um, and I say childlike because it's usually ch- small children who has this have this level of faith where you are completely subscribed to the adults in your life and their religious beliefs. But eventually it turns into stage three or level three. And that is where you have a strong faith, but it is very black and white. It's based in a strong binary tradition, good, evil, black, white. And most people he shares does not do not leave this level. Um, again, I'm not trying to judge or say people are bad or good or blind or whatever, but that's just the fact. That's the level three faith. Level four is when you lean into questions and you become disillusioned with many of the black and white white thinking you used to have. Things don't seem binary anymore. They seem very messy and confusing. And anyway, this is still the nutshell version of level four, but you dive into a lot of questions and investigating, and again, a lot of disillusionment. And this is when many leave their personal faith within this level. If those uh, who can continue to persevere. And to me, this honestly can be both inside and outside the church uh, if you, or your religious faith. For me, I have decided to stick with my faith. But the next level is level five. And then level, level six is basically like a living saint. You know, so level five is basically where most of us can get to. And this is when you embrace the nuance of faith and reality. This is when you are comfortable with the dissonance that exists on earth and belief. You can live in service to your faith and to the others while also simultaneously embracing the gray and the messy. You can connect deeply with your higher power and also connect with compassion to others who are different from you and have maybe less than simple beliefs than you. Your faith is no longer simple. It's complex, but it's also very mature. And James shares that most people do not really reach this level, but it's possible for all of us if we're willing to move through the level four. And again, I'm going to say this can be inside and outside of a religious tradition. But for me, I've chosen to do it within mine. So on those days, on those days where I do not feel like I can see the world through the lens of spirituality, on days where I feel like I am praying and knocking on doors that are slammed shut to me, on days or months or big periods of time, which for me was over a decade 
like over a decade this happened, but now it's been better and better. Anyway, I share more about that in the first episode. So go back to refer to that. But when I am not feeling like I am receiving it, when I'm not receiving the light and direction I am pleading for, then I know that this is just part of the process. When I have struggles with things I learned in my own church history, or I read the scriptures and there's some troubling doctrine in there or stories that I do not think is from God, um, then I know that having those questions doesn't say something bad about me or something I should be ashamed of or lessens my faith. In fact, it's still part of the process is overall strengthening, deepening, and maturing my faith. So again, the number one, the one number one thing I want you to hold on to is that what you are struggling with right now with your faith, it is faith and it is a strong one. The second suggestion I have for you is that you do not need to explain yourself to others in your life. And I'm not talking about people who are safe and loving and supportive, but even with people that we love, it's kind of hard to find. And when you're in the middle of an especially trying time where you are surrounded in darkness spiritually and you are doing everything you can to get out and it seems like you're almost gripping this handful of sand and the tighter you grip it, the more sand falls out. And that's what it feels like to have your faith be drained out of your hand or your testimony. And when you're feeling that way, it's a really vulnerable place to be in. And opening yourself up to talk to people or to explain how you're feeling or doing can be really terrifying. And for a while, I thought that I, 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 there were a few people I did try to reach out to to explain where I was, and it wasn't necessarily the right time for them. And in time, we were able to make more of those adjustments, and you can hear about some of those experiences in my first episode again. But I'm just trying to say here is you don't need to explain yourself to people who aren't ready to hear it. Most people are terrified of nuance. I'm going to do a whole episode on this topic later on, but I'm just going to give you permission to not have to make other people feel better about where you are at. At the same time, I would love for you to find people both online and in person who who you don't have to explain yourself to, but you can share yourself with. There's a big difference. So while you don't need to explain yourself to others, I would try to find others who you can connect with who will understand you, whether they're in it themselves or they are willing to sit with you and sit in the nuance and be there for you and love you no matter what. If you are struggling with that in person, um, I have some online resources for you. Two Instagram accounts run by personal friends who have been through this themselves. The first is Spiritual Sojourn. And I know I have a hard time saying that word. I'm so sorry. I don't know if it's Sojourn or Sojourn, but Spiritual Sojourn on Instagram is an amazing resource for you. And this is from an interfaith um This is from my friend who is an interfaith couple um, marriage now and her own insights on how she stays strong while also supporting her spouse to live the way that he feels called to live. Um, Another good example for you is called Heaven Grounded. And this is another online account run by someone I deeply admire. So I highly encourage you to go and check out those two resources. And I'm going to tell you like 12 years ago when this all started for me, The only resources I could find were from people who were uh, not either willing to receive it or hear or people who were making me feel even more despondent about it. There is some middle ground. What no matter what faith you are in, there are some people in the middle ground who are trying to embrace both and you can find them. And if you need more help with that, I can help you support yourself in that. 
So the second point I had for you is don't explain yourself to people who aren't ready to hear, but do connect with people who are ready to listen and be there with you. My third point for you is to consider connecting to God or your higher power in new ways. When I was growing up, I had some significant and a little bit traumatizing, not a little bit, but a lot traumatizing of experiences as a young child that inspired in me the desire and need to pray every morning and every night and to read my own scriptures. I won't get into the why, but just know you would probably be like a little scared <laughs> if you heard like nothing bad happened to me, but it was something um, really scary and um, kind of on the other side of darkness that I experienced. And so as I grew up, I had a really strong testimony of scripture and of prayer. And I developed a very deep and abiding relationship and connection to God through both. But when I started to faith, face my series of faith crises, my year after year after year after year of crises of faith. And I call them crises, even though I know I told you that's not just what they are. But for me, I felt the despair far more than I did the hope. And today I'm hoping you to feel more of the hope. Anyway, I was trying to do the same things that I used to do, only double, only more. So I would read the scriptures or talks or books, spiritual books, as much as I possibly could. I fasted far too often. That was not good for my health. I attended the temple, which is a religious sanctuary for those in LDS faith constantly as much as I could. Um, And it was almost to the point of obsession and it wasn't working. And while that was so frustrating, I can also see now that it wasn't necessary that maybe there were other ways that I could have worked on at the time creating more connections to God that might not have looked like the quote-unquote normal ways of connecting spiritually. Now I have embraced that more over the last few years and I'm going to share with you some of the new ways that I truly do feel a strong connection to to my higher power, to God and to others, which to me is spiritual. One of the first for me is hiking. Oh my goodness. Hiking and connecting with earth is huge for me. That gives me a lot of clarity. It gives me space. It gives me quiet. And while I don't feel like I have like someone, like a voice in my ear telling me things, I can take the time and space to connect to God in that way. And I'm going to tell you something else. If I am running on the trails and listening to Coldplay or Adele or something else awesome, That is a spiritual high that is almost as big or if not bigger than anything I felt at a spiritual camp growing up as a teenager, which is to say big, huge. Like I I really feel like that has been a wonderful way for me to connect to God through running, throughout being outdoors, through music. Some other ways I have found that is through art. I have finally picked up watercoloring that I have been meaning to for years. And while it's so simple and I'm bad at it, just doing something like that just makes me feel like I'm forming a weird connection. Movement, I said, was big with hiking, but also dancing. Last fall, I joined a modern dance troupe in Oakland, California, that did a dance about surrounding Jesus' birth and then his appearance to the Americas, which we believe in in our LDS faith. And it had been so many years since I had danced, and I was terrified. But as I was 
leaping and throwing my arms up in the air and lifting my head and my feet were leaving the ground for the first time in years, I felt a sort of coming home again that I wasn't expecting, a lightness, a liftness in my spirit and soul that makes me emotional right here in this moment to recall. And because of COVID, I don't think I've had the opportunity to attend a class, but I certainly could dance on my own, so that's on me. But movement could be another way that you can discover the spiritual connection again. Of course, there's journaling as well as connecting with others. For me, when I really take the time to be present, just to be present, to do away with the distractions or the obsessions, even if I'm obsessing over an answer, sometimes it just does better to sit, to be present with my children and others. Other ways I connected is by learning and by teaching. Do you know how spiritual uh, of an experience I've had over the years that I've been a podcaster? So many times in my work, both on the show and when I'm coaching people, I open my mouth knowing no clue what I'm going to say. And I truly feel like God gives me the words to say. There are so many cool ways for you to develop a conduit to your God. So get creative and find some new ways. If the old ways aren't working, find some new ways of connecting to God. That was number three. Number four, the number four thing I want you to hold on to, well, I guess that's actually what I'm trying to tell you right now. The fourth thing is to hold on to what you want to believe in. And again, I share about this more in the first episode, but I truly believe that the desire to believe is just as valuable to our heavenly parents, to God, to higher power as truly knowing and believing. So this, this, this opportunity to hold on to what you want to believe on in, this has kept me in my own religious faith for a long time. And this hasn't been because I'm like, I believe in these things. Sometimes it's even just, I want to believe. And even that, that desire, that wanting to believe is an anchor for me. And again, I think it's totally acceptable to God. I think it can be your widow's might that is just as significant as someone's full knowing. And I also think that can be developed into knowing. So I wanted to share a few of my go-to beliefs, things I want to believe in, even when I feel like I don't. I still want to believe in these things and they can become an anchor for me personally in my own religious traditions. And again, here's some of the things you're going to be like, huh? If you are not familiar with the LDS faith, and I'll try to link to some ways for you to find out more about those. So here are my things that kind of keep me going in my own religious faith. I believe and want to believe in eternal life and progression, that we are always moving up and getting better and learning and developing. Of course, I'm going to love that one, right? Another belief I have so strongly or even a desire to believe is in God the Mother, that I believe that we just don't have God the Father. I believe in God the Mother and that she stands alongside him and that she is just as powerful and righteous and involved in our lives. And that is one of the biggest things I hold on to. Another thing I always want to believe in or believe is that there is a plan for us all, that we're not just here to like, just see what happens. We are here for so much more that we are, this is all for something. I believe, and this might seem a little different for you guys, but I want, and I believe in a God who knows that there is gray. And the reason I say that is because God gave us a savior and the savior is the gray. 
Otherwise, we would have black and white justice. If God did not believe in gray, he would not give us the mercy of the atonement of Jesus Christ. So I believe in the gray because I believe in the Savior. I believe in the power of priesthood on earth, our power that we can connect to God and put that on earth. And I believe that can take place in many forms. I believe in the ministerial power we have from human to human and the good works that not only we should do, but that we desire to do and that that can connect us back to God too. So I believe in that power we have to connect and to help each other. And I want to want to and believe in personal revelation that I have the right to find out for myself, to discover what I believe in and what is right for me and my family. Those are just a few. So if you are struggling with your spiritual connection and you don't feel like you believe anymore, sometimes I think it's not only do I think, I know it's okay for you to consider what beliefs uh, you could want to believe in and you could make those wants your anchors. Now, I hate it when people say to put things on the proverbial shelf. Like if you have a doubt or a frustration or a question, just put it on the shelf. I don't believe in that, but I do believe in having some anchoring beliefs or want to beliefs that you can hold on to that can give you the strength you need to question other things with more clarity. And finally, so the fourth point, again, just so I can make sure I'm clear on this, the fourth point is to hold on to what you want to believe on. And the fifth point I have for you is to develop the godly in you. You are made up of divine stuff. I truly believe that. And if you are struggling to connect with the divine, can I just urge you to cultivate and connect to the divine in you? As you reconnect to yourself and your interests and your gifts and your talents, you make room for the divine to spring from inside of you. Maybe you've never heard that over a pulpit, (laughs) but I know this to be true. I believe that God has created each of us to have unique gifts and interests and talents, and that as we connect to those and build them up and shore them up, we are also connecting to God. And it's so weird. It doesn't seem like it works because you're like, well, it's spiritual. I'm not like reading scriptures or studying or praying, even though those things are good. But truly, When those spiritual doors seem the tightest, that is when I have to really buckle down in feeding my inner soul and connecting and developing and cultivating the divine within me. And none of this is overnight. All of these five points I just gave you, none of it is overnight. But I'm telling you not that it will come when you want it or need it, but there are still ways for you to connect to God, to connect with yourself, to connect to your beliefs, so that if you choose and can persevere in the ways that you feel is right for you, you can. Now what I want to do is spend the second half of this episode talking to those within faith, within faith structures or religious beliefs who maybe haven't dealt with this personally. And if you were coming here for some preaching, you are going to get it (laughs) right here, right now, but maybe not in the way you thought you would. So here's what I'm going to start with, a little soapbox moment for you. Know that behind every uncomfortable comment someone says in a religious class, like in Sunday school, or 
someone who doesn't seem to be abiding by the doctrines that they supposedly profess to, is also someone who is dealing with a lot of pain. There is a history there. And to be super honest with you, that history is not your business. What is your business is loving them and providing an acceptable place for them to land. And about that pain, about the history of pain there, they probably have behind their actions or the perceived perceived lack of action. The only thing worse than refusing to see someone's pain because it's uncomfortable for us is judging that pain. I believe that most people who leave their faith do so out of shame and sadness because even their doubts alone and the perceived or directly laid message that they get over and over again that they do not fit in. And that, most often in my experience, can push them right out. I told you in the beginning of this episode that through the 12 plus years I had my faith crises, I was blessed enough to live in a very accepting environment within my congregation when I was at my lowest. And living in that environment gave me the option to stay and to struggle and to still be me, but that my struggle was still deemed as good and worthy enough, not just to be welcome, but to serve at the table alongside those who have seemingly concrete face. And I say seemingly there because I also found along the way that even those who I perceived as having that, you know, tried and true, blue through and through faith actually had far more questions and doubts inside them that they had felt safe enough to share. But because I shared about things to the public, I had so many people who were the tried and true, blue and blue, blue, oh, sorry, tried and true, blue through and through, who came to me with their own struggles that they might have had for years. So I'm going to ask this of a religious faith, whether you are in my religion of the LDS faith or someone, something else, what is unity? What is unity? My perception of unity is it's not having the same thoughts and black and white beliefs. It's about having the same purpose. And to me on earth, I believe God's sole mission is for us to to learn how to love and to love others. That I believe is our purpose. That can be what unifies us. And that is also what I feel like we have lost so much of sometimes, that ability to love and to sit and be with people. Let's give the ultimate example of this. Let's consider the life and mission of Jesus Christ, our Savior, if you are in the Christian, uh, in a Christian religion. According to Christianity and our beliefs, Jesus Christ went against the religious and cultural traditions of his day a lot. He broke bread with sinners. He created and followed a whole new level of law, both religious and you know legal law. He went counter to many of the religious laws of his day. He, you know, by by making friends with the Sadducees and others, you know, women who have had affairs and prostitutes. He also called out the hypocrisy within his faith traditions. People who were, you know, being the 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 Pharisees, the black and white thinkers, and propping themselves up above others. Jesus Christ embraced those who lit, who were cast out. He saw people for who they truly were, and he ate with sinners. And one of my favorite things is that 
Jesus Christ viewed God as a father to us all. He didn't view things in the black and white world that he lived in. He saw it differently than others. In fact, he was really radical in so many ways, so much so that his own people called him blasphemous and crucified him. He was radical in his love and radical in his views and acceptance of others. My friend Rachel Nilsson pointed me into a high five live that really struck a chord with her and then with me. Now, High Five Live is a wonderful group on Facebook. It has like over 50,000 followers and it's led by many people, but one of whom started it is Gaina Lynn Condi, who was actually on our podcast a few years ago talking about mental health and the own passing of her sister who took her own life. And Gaina Lynn is doing amazing things. And I've actually had an opportunity to to be um, one of, they have, they have lives every day of various people talking about their testimonies and their their beliefs there. So one of these high five lives was done by Kurt Frankum, and he is one of the leaders of Leading Saints, which is a nonprofit directed to helping leaders within the LDS faith specifically, like bishops and state presidency members, to help them um, be better leaders. And he was a bishop himself. Anyway, the topic of his live was called Standing with Christ in Attention in the tension. I don't know if I said that too well, Um, but I have linked to that in the show notes. I'm going to give you a little summary of it here, if I may. So what he did is he held up a little small piece of rope and he put it in one hand and then he put the rope in the other hand and he held them up, both of his hands up. And he said that one of his hands was law and one of the other, his other hands, (laughs) one of his hands was law and one of his hands was love. So we have law and we have love. And that rope between them, if they're balanced, there's a good enough tension on that rope that it is strong and it is balanced. But if one side outweighs the other, then that rope becomes slack. It falls. It loses its strength because there is no tension in the rope. And when you don't have tension, you do not have strength. However, if there's balance between the two, if there's balance between law, L-A-W, if that's not clear to you, law and love, if there's tension, then that means there's actually balance between the two and there's actually great strength. And Kurt talked about how Christ stood in this tension. He stood in the tension of law and love. If he leaned too heavily to law, then that strength he had would not have been there. If he had leaned too heavily to love, the same thing would have happened. So again, you have to have that tension, that tension between law and love. And I fear that much of my personal faith culture has leaned a little too heavily to law, not love. And yeah, I can see other faith traditions that lean the other way, but I'm talking through my lens here. I just want to propose to you that the alternative doesn't mean we abandon law, that we don't abandon covenants and commandments and morals and values, but it means that we are willing to stand in the tension. We are willing to stand in the tension of love and law, both for ourselves and for others. And I feel that it's within this tension where the work can happen, the real work of God where bridges can be built and support be given in both directions, where we all have a lot to learn from each other. 
that tension is not only a good thing, it's necessary. And I'm sure that tension includes the back and forth, back and forth. And if we are willing to stand in that tension, as I believe Christ would be doing if he were here on earth right now, then I believe that we will be able to heal a lot of the church culture and maybe even some beliefs that have not been letting that tension be in place. I believe in my faith. I have chosen my faith and it hasn't been easy. And it's also, I just want to point this out to you, and it's also not easy to leave a faith. It's very traumatic. It's like a death. It's like starting anew in ways that are very challenging and judged. I'm bringing that up so you can remember that about those who do leave the faith. Love needs to be more of the answer to how we perceive and help the people who have left or in the process of leaving. We need to create that safe space, that tension space for people to land in the middle of it too. I I want it to, to prevent it, of course, but regardless of where people are, let's give them that space to land, to share their thoughts and struggles, to feel accepted for who they are and what they have to offer. Because what they have to offer is absolutely what our congregations and our world needs. I talked about this in the first episode, but what is faith without questions? To me, it's nothing. And it's the same about religion. A religion cannot continue unless we are continually asking questions to make the tension strong within that religion and the strength of that religion there. So let's let them have a place to land. Let's stand in the tension. I have had friends who almost lost their callings. That means things they are asked to do, and it's a really big deal to have a calling. It's something that we are privileged to do, um, and we all you know, are asked to serve in many capacities. But I have had friends who have almost lost their callings over getting double pierced ears. I have had other friends denied temple recommends because at the time they supported gay marriage. I have had other friends shamed behind the scenes in different presidency meetings and other things that have gotten back to them for not seemingly upholding their covenants based on the clothes they wear. And the biggest thing I've seen over and over again are friends who feel that they can't talk to anyone about any of the things we're discussing here today, from closest family to leaders of their congregations. They do not feel safe to open their mouths and to talk, to bear their soul, to bring up the tension that they are facing right now. And to me, that is the saddest part of all. See people for who they really are as God sees them, as not simple as black and white, good and evil, but to see them as God sees them. And all of us, we are all like this lost lambs who we need to be seeking after, not shunning, shaming, or driving them away. One of the things that makes me the most hot-headed and angry is when I see people say, if you don't like it, leave. I do not believe that is what the Savior would say. I believe he would sit with them eat with them, listen to them, and hear their struggles, hear the tensions that they have faced in their own lives, and he would stand in that tension with them. That's what I believe. 
The thing that kept me from opening up for my own faith struggles for so long was fear. Fear of not being seen as good enough to God and fear of not being seen good enough by others. And now I am finally at the point where I know, I truly feel like I know this. This isn't even just a belief anymore, which is a miracle for me even to say that to you. But I believe that and know that God wants me to ask questions, to speak up, and to share my insights, even when it's uncomfortable, both for me and for others. I'm also at the point where I know I can't let others' perceptions of my worthiness get in the way of what I feel called to do and say and share. And I'm not saying to disrupt, you know, I'm, I've never been a picketing type. Who knows? Maybe that will change. But I do have some things that I want to not hide so much. And I'm going to share a few examples for you. Often when we were attending church um, before COVID, and right now we're starting to attend again, my daughter insists on wearing pants to church. And I'm okay with that. Will you judge her? (laughs) I actually wear pants occasionally to church myself, both to support her and because I I see that sometimes our church's culture on women only wearing skirts to church is acceptable a little bit like a Pharisee belief. So when I wear them to church to try to help support my daughter and to help her feel accepted and welcome where she is, will you judge me? Another weird example for you of something I've just been grappling with. I'm just sharing things I've been grappling with, okay? This isn't me like calling things out and saying this should be the way or the right or wrong. I'm not saying that. But these are just the tensions that I have inside right now, some of the small things. I have been super close and wanting to get a double piercing on my earlobes for a long time. And I personally feel that God's actually okay with this. Maybe you don't for you, but I feel like God's okay with me doing this. But I haven't. And it's because of fear of how I'll be perceived. Another example for you, as you know, that I struggle with the tension beyond a lot of things with church history and how women are perceived and how the culture, the church culture is a big thing that uh, to me is not doctrine. We, we do a lot of things like this is the church, this is the way, but it really is just our culture. Um, anyway, garments. I, I love wearing my garments. Garments in the LDS faith are something that you receive when you go through the temple and they represent the covenants that you've made there. And they're very special. And they are something that I honor and I wear with devotion. But to be honest with you, they are very uncomfortable. And for many women, myself included, they create a lot of infections. And, you know, I'm just going to say it straight. That's hard. That's kind of hard for me to grapple with these days. And even, you know, general conference talks, but we have twice a year. Sometimes I have to leave the room when I just feel like my own wounds over womanhood and maybe the outright exclusion of God the mother is just so poignant to me that I, I need a minute. I need to leave the room. Again, I'm not trying to make mountains out of molehills molehills here. I'm not trying to cause disruption or make waves, but I'm just trying to say these are examples of ways that we can hear people, that we can listen, that we can sit in the tension of love and law, that we can ask questions that we can hear and that we can converse together and give each other support enough so people can voice their tensions and not in ways, again, to like look at me, look at look at what I'm going to say, and you're wrong and I'm right. It's not about that. It's about sitting together with that tension. I actually don't even have answers to those things that I have tensions about. And I can't proclaim to my church what is right for all of us. I don't even think that's right for me to do. I just have an honest struggle with these things. And I'm doing my best as I mature in my faith and both within myself 
that I'm going to do my best to be more willing to engage in that tension and to share it with others who need it or when I feel like God is pushing me to open up with it. And that is what I hope the church, my church, and your church can be, a church that stands and works in the tension. I want to read a and a quote that I found today from the Listening Ear Project, which is Katie. She's been on the show too. I'm Katie Chessman. She's also the leader of Spiritual Sojourn. And this quote really got to me today. Quote, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. Unquote. That's by David Osberger. And I'm going to say it for you one more time. Being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. Hearing people is loving them. Giving them space to to vocalize what they are going through and what they need is loving them. And that's all you need to do. You don't need to fix what they're going through. You don't need to put them in their place. You don't need to send me or them. I'm saying me because some people did. You don't need to send them different scriptures or talks to prove them wrong and to show them how they are sinners give them space. Give them space to be heard. And you know, I'm here. I am, but I am also different. I know that I'm enough though. I know that that is how I am developing myself and my faith is by being able to stand in that tension of being here and being different. And I hope that we can have a church in my own church and your church and faiths that can continue to evolve in revelation, to ask hard questions, to provide a space for true love and ministry and become more like God wants us to be. That is my faith. That is my belief. And it is enough. My friends, I have a complex faith and it's scary to you perhaps. And it's often scary to me, but this is a developed one, a developed, but still growing faith. And what I hope this episode did is one, help those of you who are in a similar situation and trying to reconnect to heaven in ways that you seem shut out from. And and I hope that this episode gave you some more hope so that you know you are not alone and that you can persevere and that maybe with time like it has for me and I hope for you too, and and it might be a long time like it was for me too, that the sun will rise, that it'll almost be imperceptible because it's just so gradual that'll just be little bit by little bit, line upon line, that you won't even notice the change until suddenly you see it and it's there. And you're like, wow, when did that happen? That is how all growth has been for me. And maybe spiritual growth is the same. And in fact, why shouldn't it be? So I hope this episode helped you be able to look for that light, that gradual but piercing light and to find it in new ways. And I also helped hope that it helps those of you who maybe have never struggled with this to be willing to sit more in the tension and to love, love, and love as I believe Jesus would and to stand in that tension of law and love too. I'm so grateful for this opportunity to share my heart and my beliefs to get a little uncomfortable (laughs) and I hope that it gives you the space to do that here. You are welcome here. You always are. This is where I will leave you today, my friends. Again, I want to remind you that the different things I referenced here are all in the show notes. And for those of you who are like, I still don't get what you were talking about, Monica, you can check out the show notes as well for more information or just reach out to me too. I'm happy to talk to you anytime. And for those of you, just one last little reminder here, who feel that you were called to develop your spirituality and your faith in other ways that are different than you were raised. I just want to say I love you. I really do. And I know you're okay. And I know you are enough. 
And I know that God sees you as enough too. Thank you so much for giving me space today. I love you all. I truly do. Please keep growing, friends. And remember that life is about progress, not perfection. You are listening to About Progress. This is episode 290, How to Persevere When Spiritual... Dang it. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.